Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who see things differently. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a very important subject that's very close to many people, mortgages. This is going to be a two-part discussion, and today we're going to have part one, and we're going to talk about uh, the different types of mortgages and the many factors that go into the true costs and what it means to have your home actually truly paid off. In part two, we're going to discuss what is current with an expert on home loans. He's a prominent mortgage broker in the field. And a true expert. Now, whether or not you have a mortgage, you're going to be getting one, you're thinking about getting one, buying a new home, refinancing, or it's way down in the future. These two episodes are going to help you to be more informed than most people are today on how mortgages really work, the true costs of them, and help get you up to date. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for well over 10 years. And joining us today is our co-host, Brian. Hi there, Kevin. Brian here. Glad to be here. Great to have you as always, Brian. Uh, looking forward to today's discussion. So for today, part one of our two-part mortgage discussion, uh, we're going to start with a quiz for our Wealth Tactic Rebels listeners. Now, please pay close attention to these questions. There's five of them. And remember your answers to these because we're going to go back over them again at the end and see if you think the answers are the same as they were at the beginning. Now, let's turn to our chief quizzer, Brian. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Jeff. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, well, I'm used to being a teacher, so that's okay. I don't mind giving quizzes to people. There we go. Uh, people don't like taking quizzes, but this one could save you some money, so maybe it's worth taking, all right? It could be. All right. Well, that's the idea anyway. So the first question on the quiz is, a large down payment will save you more money over time than a small down payment. True or false? Okay. Well, I'm going to answer these the way I think most people feel about these. So. To answer the question is, I think that a large down payment, of course, would save you uh, time over money because you have less loan. You don't owe someone as much. You're not going to pay so much interest. Okay. So the first one was true then. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Second question. A 15-year mortgage will save you more money over time than a 30-year mortgage. Okay. Again, I, I think true 15, I think this is going to be true because 15 years mortgages you pay less, you know, the interest rates are lower. Interest rate is lower. So right. You're paying interest for half Sh- the amount of time. Shorter, we get paid quicker. Right. Okay. Third question. Making extra principal payments saves you money. Again, I think this is true. Uh, kind of, again, it goes with kind of like the larger down payment. If I make more principal payments, I'm paying it off sooner. That means I'm paying the bank less. Okay. So true for number three. Number four, the interest rate is the main factor in determining the cost of the mortgage. Absolutely true. Of course. You know, the higher the interest rate, the more you pay. Okay. Uh, finally, number question number five, you are more secure having your home paid off than financed 100%. Again, I think most people would feel uh, that that one's true. You know, if, if you own your home, what happens when you can't make that mortgage payment? But if it's paid off, you're good to go. Okay. So basically, you have answered true to each of these five questions. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I think they're all true. And possibly a lot of our listeners would agree with at least most of those answers, or many of them. So let's now go through and look at what some of the factors are um, surrounding mortgages. Now, the first thing is to consider is that 
there are a lot of types of mortgages out there, right? There are different lengths of mortgages. There are different types. There are different arms. There's interest only. There's fixed, right? There's floating. Yep. It can be really confusing to figure out when you look at all those options, what is the best type? Sure. But I always say, you know, if the bank were making the same amount of money on each one of these types, do you think we'd have so many types? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not, right? So in other words, the bank makes different amounts on different types of mortgages. And wouldn't it be nice to figure out which one you can save the most on or make the most on? Yeah, sure. yeah. I, 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 fair question. Yeah, they know, don't you think? <laughs> well, I'm sure they know. That's, I mean, that's their business. That's it's their all, business. Uh, yeah. So it's up to us to try to figure out from a business perspective which ones we can do the best with. Okay. Right. right. That's the goal here. So I would like to start with a little analogy, and the analogy is this: everything that you know, you probably think is true, right? If you know it, it must be true. Sure. Okay. So. Every once in a while, however, we come up against an idea that we don't really know the answer to, right? Yeah, everyone's uh, We don't know if it's true or false, in other words, okay? And when we come up against that kind of information, we have a choice. We can either accept that idea or we can reject it because it doesn't fall within our box of knowledge, let's say, this, so to speak, right? Of course, yeah. So. We, we can either reject it or we could just get a bigger box to accommodate it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is this, kind of, is this kind of like asking Siri the answer to the question? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and I like this, I, this analogy because when it comes to mortgages, many people find mortgages kind of an emotional subject because it's yeah. tied to their house, right? Of course. And so, you know, what we think is true about mortgages, well, it may or may not be true, right? Of so. Course. As we're going through this, let's just remember that if we come up with a different conclusion, that it's not necessarily false just because it's different. Does yeah. that make sense? It makes sense All right. to me. So by the end of this talk, this podcast, some of our listeners might need a bigger box to accommodate. <laughs> <laughs> That's All a right? good thing. <laughs> there you go. Bigger castle. Now, bigger castle. So let's just talk about for a moment financing in general, right? So mm -hmm. there's two types of financing. There's self-financing yep. and there's bank financing. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're going to finance it yourself, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to pay, you're taking money out of your bank, your bank account to pay for whatever it is. Yeah. Pay for your house in this case, right? Yeah, right. So that's self-financing. It means that if your house costs $500,000 and you withdraw $500,000, you write the check, you pay for the house, you have essentially, now you might think of it as paying cash, but the truth of the matter is you have financed that house out of your accounts. Right. All right. Now, the other way to do it, of course, is to rather than use your money, use somebody else's money, right? Of course. Now, when you do that, we know, we know right off the bat that there's going to be a cost to that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Everyone, nothing's ever free, especially when it comes to uh, borrowing. Yeah. So it's easy to see because they're going to charge you an interest rate for that use of that money. Right. But it's not as easy for people to see that when they self-finance, when they write a check to pay for a house, for instance, that there is a cost to that money that they're putting in the house. Yeah. Right. Because now once they've written the check and it's out of their their savings account or their brokerage account, they're no longer earning interest on that. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, 
nobody's paying them interest once they have written the check for the house. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice, but you know, bank isn't in, right. in the uh, habit of paying interest when the money's not in the account. Exactly. So let's keep that in mind because that's going to be a factor in helping us figure out what the true cost of a mortgage is. But before I get into all of that, I just want to I want to say, hey, look, why do you even want a mortgage in the first place, right? I mean, if it's yeah. cheaper to just write the check, well, the truth of the matter is some of us can't write the check, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's true. I think the majority of people probably, even in our listeners, cannot just write the check to pay for their house. Right. So right. that's the first reason why you might want a mortgage. But even if you could write the check, there is another reason that possibly you might want a mortgage anyway. And that is what? What do you guess? Well, you get um, when, when you have a mortgage, you get to uh, have a tax deduction. In some cases, that's true, right? So uh, prior to the most recent tax reform, uh, you could deduct up to a million dollars of uh, that mortgage and now that has changed and it's related to a, a, a threshold of what you make right. um, somewhere between $156,000 of income married filing separately to $313,000 if you're married filing jointly. Right. If you're single, two hundred sixty-one. Above those thresholds of income, they start to reduce the amount of exemption you can have, right? Right, right. But, but for a lot of people, that still means that there is possibility of a tax deduction. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know about you, but I know <laughs> I'd like to have a tax deduction, right? Yeah, I, so, I could so, I'll take an extra one. Sure, why not? So by taking a mortgage, you can actually create a tax deduction for yourself. That's not a bad thing necessarily, right? Right. All right. And finally, number three, there is potentially, it's just potentially, a spread between the cost of borrowing and what you could earn, let's call it in a side fund, right? Right. So let me explain what I mean here. So let's suppose that you have the option of either writing a check to pay for the house, or you could keep that money invested in a side fund and you could borrow the money. Okay. You see the scenario there? Right. Right. So- in your side fund, what would you have to earn to come out ahead versus paying the interest on the mortgage? You with me? Right. Yeah. You have to right. obviously it'd have to be something greater. You'd have to have it in a side fund that is earning more than what the mortgage is costing. Yeah. So in other words, let's say that the the mortgage was gonna cost you four and a half percent, okay? Yeah. And in your side fund, you could only earn 3%. Well, that wasn't a good deal, was it? No, it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like a good deal, meaning you might as well just write the check and pay for the house. But if you could, let's say it was the other way around. Let's say that the cost of the mortgage was 3%, and in your side fund, you could earn 6 Well, that's a that's a 3% spread on a large sum of money. I, I'd like to keep that 3% spread. Yeah. Especially over, yeah. let's say, a long period, which is probably how long you're going to earn your own your house. Maybe 30 years, maybe more. Right. right. Yeah, of course. Big difference. That 3% over time. We'll look at that. But that could, that spread, that difference in cost of borrowing versus what you could earn in your side fund, that could be a big thing. Okay? Right. All right. So let's continue. Now, there's another factor that we often forget to think about when it comes to what this real cost is on a house. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to do it like this. Let's suppose that your monthly payment on your house 
is a thousand dollars a month. Okay. Uh, I'm just using a round number here. It could be double that, could be ten times that. I don't care. It's going to be the same idea, same concepts. Okay. Right. Right. And then there's this thing called inflation, isn't there? Right. Of course. Oh, everybody thought I was going <laughs> to. Everyone thought I was going to next mention the cost of the mortgage, meaning the interest rate. But Inter- no. Uh, <laughs> Let's think about something else that is an economic reality, and that is over time, we know that historically there is this thing called inflation. Right. Okay. Now, when I look at it over time, if I looked at the inflation history, meaning each year the government keeps statistics on the inflation rate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and most years we have a positive inflation, meaning it's costing you more and more each year for everything you buy, right? Right, right. That's And that's a good thing because that means the economy is growing, correct? That's what we equate it to, right? right. There, there are only a few years in our history where the inflation rate is actually negative, meaning there's deflation. Right. And when that's happening, we're in the middle of a significant recession, right? Right. That's right. painful, so, for instance, the last one we had was 2009. Everyone should remember how painful that recession was. Right? <laughs> right yeah. Deflation is not a good thing. Right. Okay? Of course. So this inflation rate. Now, look, over the last 50 years, if we average out the inflation rate, guess what it comes to? What's that? 2%? Well, a lot of people would think it's probably two, maybe three. It's actually 4.1%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's the government's numbers, what the true numbers are. Who knows, right? <laughs> well, the, now this is true. I mean, I mean let's, let's face it. This, this does not include fuel. It doesn't include food. I mean, yeah, no, I don't know anybody else, but I can't live without both of those. <laughs> Could but be the, a government somehow, the government somehow thinks we can. So they exclude that. And even oh. so, it's still over 4%. Yes. Right? That's not small. That's That's a big number. I mean... 4.1% over 100 years <laughs> or over the course of someone's life. That's a big number. That's hard to keep pace with. That's a big number. Now, let's look at it in terms of the house and the mortgage situation like this. Let's suppose that, again, you're going to pay $1,000 a month for your house payment. Right. When we look at that against the inflation rate, we're going to use the 4.1%, the 50-year inflation rate. Yeah. Okay. How much is that? If you write a check for $1,000 today, how much is the check worth? Well, it's $1,000. Precisely. But if you write a check for $1,000, the same fixed payment 15 years from now, is it going to be worth more or less? Well, due to inflation, it's going to be worth less. Precisely. In other words, inflation is eroding the value of that $1,000, right? Right, right. So when you write the check in 15 years from now, still says 1,000, but how much is it that 1,000 going to buy 15 years from now? It's only going to buy about $500 worth of stuff, right? Wow, that's a big difference. It's almost in half. It's almost in half. And then if we go even further, we and we look, let's say, 30 years out, Right, which is the average length of some mortgages, a lot of mortgages. Right. Now, how much you're still writing a thousand dollars for your check? Right. The, yeah, the check says one thousand dollars, but it feels because, like something significantly lower. I'm sure. Yeah, thirty years from now, it's only worth two hundred ninety-nine dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> can, 
Can we right? just write that number on there and be good with it? I mean, I would rather pay two ninety nine. I don't know about our listeners. <laughs> exactly. So the question I always ask people is, hey, which check would you rather write? A check for a thousand dollars fifteen years from now worth five hundred, or a check for a thousand dollars thirty years from now worth two ninety nine? Yeah, I'd rather pay two ninety nine every day of the week. Exactly. Okay. So right off of the bat, we can say, hey, look, because of inflation, suddenly that fixed note payment that I have to make on my mortgage, mm. it's really not so bad the further out we go into the future, is it? That You know, Brian, that's a really interesting point, too, because I think most people, when they're looking at the cost of mortgage, they are just thinking, oh, my God, I've got a thousand dollar bill. You know, they're not they're not looking at it. Yeah, I got a thousand dollars today, but tomorrow it's not so bad. It's not going to feel as bad because of inflation, right? Right. They're thinking, I don't want to carry $1,000 for 30 years. And 30 years, is 1000 bucks is nothing. You got it. So um, just like we think of two ninety nine today is not that much, right? Right. Exactly. All right. So let's move on now to another factor, which is or has to do with what something we have discussed in other podcasts, which is opportunity costs. Okay. So... Let's see, supposing that you're going to buy a house, right? You have to usually put down a down payment to buy the house. Did you ever think about the opportunity costs on that down payment? Well, let me see. Let me tell you what I mean. Once you make the down payment, let's say you have to write a check for your down payment, and that's $100,000, okay? Once you write that check, are you getting paid for that interest? Are you making interest on that anymore? Is the bank paying you interest? Well... Uh, no, because it's not with them. I know when okay. I take money out of my bank account, that's it. That's right. So once you have put it into the equity of the house, so to speak, you're no longer earning interest on it. Now, the house might change value, but that's a separate issue, right? Right. Okay. And secondly, once you have written the check for the down payment, can you get that money back? Generally, um it's not what I would call easy to get back. You have to apply for it, correct? Well, in fact, the bank is not going to lend you that down payment back, are they? True. No. True. Yeah. So, so it's not it's not accessible without selling the house, and then who knows how long that's going to take, right? Well, there's that so, too, yeah. Well, you're right, so, right. For every dollar that you put into the house, you would have to sell it to get everything back, correct? Yeah, to reinvest. So it's not accessible. You're not earning interest on it. And there is a cost to that. That's what we call opportunity costs, meaning that you're not earning interest on that down payment anymore. Right. So how much are we talking about here? Is this a real issue over time? Well, let's think about that for a moment. So let's suppose that your down payment was $200,000. Mm -hmm. And let's right. suppose that if you had kept that invested somewhere, you could have earned 6% on it. Over a long period of time, 30 years, for instance, okay? Mm -hmm. Right. What would have been your opportunity costs on that? Take a guess. A uh, million dollars. Good guess. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me you, you had a cheat sheet on that one. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> right? I mean, that's five times what you put into it over a 30-year period. At what we, and most people would consider a modest rate of return, 6%, sure. right? Of course. So that's a lot of money, right? Yeah. For that, just the down payment part of the house. Well, I think even in 30 years, a million dollars is still going to be a pretty good number. Right. Yes, for sure. 
So let's take that same idea, the opportunity cost on the down payment, and now let's extend that to the full value of the house, okay? Okay. So, and see if we can answer this question. A lot of people ask me this from, you know, they say, hey, Brian, uh, do you think a, my house is a good place to put my money? I don't know where else to put it that's safe. I'm yeah. just going to put, you know, pay off my mortgage as soon as I can and park my money there. At least it'll be safe. Well, true. Yeah. A lot let's of think people... about this for a minute. Okay. So let's suppose that you have a house today. And again, I'm just going to use r- rough numbers, round numbers. And the value today is a million dollars. And you originally paid $500,000 for this. Yeah. And, you know, you made some renovations. You put a new kitchen in, maybe a couple of new bathrooms. You spend $100,000 on it over time. Okay. And you held on to this house. You've had it now for, let's say, um, 20 years. Okay. What do you think your equivalent compound interest would be over that time on your gain? You have a gain, first of all, of what? $400,000, $400,000, right? Right. That's a million minus 500 minus 100. That's what you've paid. You've paid 600. So you've got a gain of 400 over a 20-year period. In terms of a rate of return over a 20-year period, that means that your house returned a measly 2.59%. Really? Wow. That's not, yeah. um, it's not as, as great as you would think. That's reality, right? right? A lot of people, when they think of it, they say, hey, look, this was a good deal. I doubled my money. I paid 500 I sold it for a million. Uh, they forget that they actually put some more money in there, and they forget to do the calculation on how long they've held it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, over right? a 20-year period, you're right. The, the, the factor that goes into there is, is maintenance. There, there's no way you're going to own a home for 20 years and not have to fix something, a roof, a boiler, uh, siding, something. Exactly. In addition to that, you know, especially during the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, a lot of people's houses were worth less than they paid for it, not more. True. True. Yeah. Unpredictable. You know, so this rate of return is actually better than what many, many people experienced in the real estate market during the recession. True. Okay. All right. Let's continue. So if... Let's think about that for a moment. So if our rate of return in my example was only 2.59% and you had paid cash for that house, did you get a good return? Well, I mean, that's better than, say, a money market, but I wouldn't call it good return, right? Well, does it compare to other types of investments? Well, no, it's not what we call a, a good rate of return. It's, it's not even keeping place with the 4.1%. Doesn't that mean it's actually losing money? It's not even keeping pace with inflation, right? Right. Okay. So if we're below inflation, the value of what we've got here has actually done what? It's actually shrunk. Right. Not in, not increased. Okay. So hopefully some of our listeners can see that. But our our return here is actually below inflation. That means we're below right. water. Right. It, it, and along with that too, I'm going to mention real quick to our listeners, the Wealth Tactic Rebels. If you go to our show notes page, wealthtacticrebels.com, and go to the show notes for today's episode, the mortgage part one, um, we're going to put screenshots of all these numbers for anybody who wants to follow along on what the actual numbers are. Um, but for the purpose of our discussion, it's really just about the concepts of what this all means. Okay, great. So now I have a little story that I want to run by our listeners, okay? Here's the story. 
suppose there are two houses or two condos, right? Yep. Side by side. They're built the same year. They're exactly the same square footage. They both face the water or whatever, right? There's no real significant differences. And they are both worth today $500,000, okay? Okay. All right, so one person comes along. Let's call it house number one. And they decide, look, I could either take a mortgage or I could write a check and pay $500,000. So they decide, look, I don't want to pay any interest. So therefore, I'm going to write a check. Mm-hmm. Follow me? Right. Okay. So they pay cash for the house. Right, right. That's number one. Now, number two, house number two, right next door, same cost, same everything. They say, well, hey, look, I could, if I wanted to, I could write a check for $500,000 or I could just keep my $500,000 invested somewhere else and I could use somebody else's money to buy this house. All right. So they're going to take a mortgage. Yeah. All right. So they take a mortgage. Now, let's suppose it's a 30-year mortgage. So 30 years later, same two houses, still side by side. They're still exactly alike. And now one of them is valued a million dollars. The other one's valued a million dollars. Okay. Okay. The house number one, the one that they paid cash for. Right. 30 years later, what do they have? What do they have? They have the value of the house, right? They got the house. Okay. It's worth a million dollars. Now, number house number two, the other second person who had a mortgage for that time, what do they have? Well, they probably have some equity in the house, but they also would have. No, no, they have. They have no mortgage. They have a hundred percent equity. Well, thirty years. You're right. Thirty years from now, mortgage is paid off, so they're hundred percent equity. But they also have their. uh, They still have that five hundred thousand dollars in whatever that became, whatever turned into, what it grew to. Ah, so they actually have two assets. They have the house; it's paid for, and they have their side fund, at which was five hundred at interest. Let's call it more than a million dollars. You see right. what I'm saying? Right, right, right. All right. So, which position is better to be? Well, I mean, just on the on the face of it, position one, I gave up my five hundred thousand dollars and I got a, a million dollars back. Position two, I didn't give up my money. I still had the million dollar house. And I have some money on the side. Right. Okay. So that you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter how thing, big that number is. I have, yeah, I had two. Exactly. It doesn't matter how big the things. second number is because it's more than person than position number one. Okay. And so I, I I give this story to illustrate a couple of things. One is that in this scenario, the first house guy has one asset. The second person has two assets now. Exactly. And secondly, did the house value was it uh, was it affected by the by the mortgage you know that's an interesting point because um i've talked with people before and that's a realization that a lot of people don't come to they they never cross that that path in their mind that my house is valued a million dollars and i owe nothing on it i took a loan versus i didn't take a loan same thing yeah so here's how i summarize that for people what i say is appreciation is separate from equity right let me let me say that again. Appreciation, that is the value of the house that might increase over time, is independent from the amount of equity that I have in the property. Right. Right. That's a that's a good con- big concept to understand. So that's why you know uh, that's a that's an important factor to keep in mind when we're looking at should I pay cash or should I uh, finance. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Right? And most people are looking at it when they put money into a home, it's an investment. But what you're saying is that it doesn't matter what you put into it. Well, what I'm saying is it's not going to change the value of the house. Exactly. Right. 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 Now, now whether you not you you know you make more money, we have to consider the cost of the loan, right? So let's get right. into that issue now. Okay. Versus what you could actually end up with in your side fund. So here's the scenario. If you were going to keep that money invested, your side fund, right. or take a loan over the 30-year period, what's the difference? It's We're looking at the issue of the spread again, which we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. Right. Okay. So I'm going to assume for a moment that on my $500,000 in my side fund, I could earn 6% over a 30-year period. So right. what would that mean? It would grow to a value of about $3 million. Right. Okay, you could do the, you could do the math on that. Meanwhile, what's the cost of borrowing $500,000? Well, I'm going to use an approximate average for loans today on a 30-year fixed note. It's at about 4 and uh, 3 quarters, 4.75, okay? Okay. So if you're going to pay 4.75 interest on your $500,000 over 30 years, what's that going to cost you? What is it? You're looking at 200 2.6. 2.6, exactly. So 2.6 versus 3 million, that's about what? That's about a $400,000 difference. $400,000 less, right? Right. That you you could keep in your pocket by borrowing the money versus, you know, keeping it invested. Right, right. Now, that's only part of the story, isn't it though? Because we actually know that for many people out there they actually get to do what with the interest that they're paying? Well, then you get to deduct a portion of the interest on your taxes, right? Uh, exactly. So if we think about it, if we're honest here with ourselves, the true cost of the loan is not what the bank is charging you. Because why? Well, because, because the government is subsidizing your loan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Yay, government. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. They're in trying to encourage home ownership. Right. By giving you a tax benefit for taking a mortgage. Okay. So we can mathematically figure out what the true cost of our loan is by calculating what we get to save by deducting the interest on the loan. Does that make sense? Sure. In other words, the true cost of the loan is less than, not more than, what the bank is charging. So let's suppose for a moment, in our example, that you're in a 30% tax bracket. Okay. I'm just using round numbers again. Okay. If you're in a 30% tax bracket making payments on your $500,000 mortgage and you get to deduct the interest, the true cost of your loan is only, take a guess. 3.3. Good guess. All right. Sorry, I'm cheating. You're cheating again. I know. But so the question is, what's the true cost of the interest that the bank is charging you when the government is subsidizing it? And the answer is it costs less. Right. Okay. If it costs less, when we factor in the real cost of the mortgage over time, it's not going to be the $600,000 that we thought we're giving up. It's going to be even less than that, right? Right. In fact, it's another $200,000 savings in your pocket that the government is giving you by allowing you to deduct the interest. Huh. Wow. That's over a 30-year period, right? Right, over 30. So, so that's a huge difference, meaning you would have made an additional $800,000 by taking the loan instead of writing the check and paying cash. That's uh, that's substantial considering in this example we're talking about position A 
paying cash, which, which everyone dreams of, they pay cash, ended up with a million dollar home, you know, mm-hmm. versus the other guy who also ended up with a million dollar home, but's got another eight hundred thousand dollars in his pocket. That's eighty percent more. I mean, it's huge. Huge, huge. Huge. And this is just, you know, because we're starting to think about some of these factors that influence the true cost of the mortgage. All right. Yeah, that's there's a lot more to it, huh? Isn't there? There certainly is. So let's summarize now, because what we're getting at is another issue, which is how do I choose a 15 year or a 30 year note? Right. Right. This is one of the things that people often ask me. How do I how do I know which is better? Everybody knows that the bank is going to charge less interest, meaning the rate is going to be lower on a 15 year note than a 30 year note. But why are they doing that? They're doing that for a good reason. Right. Okay. Which I'm not going to get into, but they're trying to encourage you to take the 15 year note. But what we have just discovered is why do people take the 15 year mortgage? Well, because they think uh, they're going to save interest, right? Precisely because the rate is lower. But what we also know is that the perception is that what the shorter the loan, the less cost of the loan. Right. But it, but if we follow that logic, then we should all be paying cash for the house, right? Right. Well, didn't we just see that, in fact, cash is not the cheapest way to buy the house? Actually, if you have the option, keeping your money invested some in a side fund and deducting the interest, the cost of that loan, makes a whole lot of sense when interest rates are low. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, th- that was a huge difference. So Even today, even though interest rates have been on the rise this year and may continue to be on the rise for a while, they are still below what we can earn at our side fund currently. Yeah, I agree. All right, so now I want to compare directly the 15-year versus the 30-year note. Okay. Because, again, this is a big issue for a lot of people trying to figure out which one makes sense. And what they think is, well, hey, the 15-year note, the bank is only going to charge me 4%. The 30-year note, they're they're going to charge me four, seven, five, I guess I better take the shorter one. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But they're not thinking about the fact that, hey, uh, what about my side fund and how that could influence how I look at it? Yeah. So here's our example. Two mortgages. One is for 500. The other is for 500,000. And on the 30-year note, the interest rate is four, seven, five. And on the 15-year note, the interest rate is 4%. Now, let's suppose that um, in my side fund, I'm able to earn 6% and my tax bracket is 30. Okay. I know these are a lot of numbers, but... Sorry, we're going to put them on our, on the show notes page after, so... Okay, good. <laughs> so what rate of return would you have to earn in your side fund to pay off the 30-year note by year 15? This is a tough one for a lot of people. Mm, let right? me see. Well, yeah, most people, but since I have a cheat sheet, I'm going to say 4.5%. 4.5% net after tax, actually, meaning that you would, if you were making payments to yourself in your side fund at the same rate, you'd be able to, and you could just earn 4.5%, you would have enough money by year 15 to write the check to pay off the 30-year note. Ah, and I think you're touching on an interesting concept again, too. You said you would have enough money to write the check because Mm -hmm. this is how a lot of people feel about their house. I don't want to owe my house. I want to have it paid off. So the idea here is that what's paid off. If you 
write the check now or if you have enough money to write the check whenever you want. Isn't that the same thing? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a matter of paid off versus using leverage. Right. 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 If you're using a mortgage strategically, then and you have actually saved money and grown money in your side fund and you have the ability to pay it off, but you haven't. That's a strategic use of your of a, a financial tool, which is a mortgage. Sounds like a nice wealth tactic for the rebels. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, let's answer, ask the next question. The next question is, what if I could earn 6% in my side fund, right? Okay. Which is more, we know it's more than the cost of the mortgage. Right. That's that spread we were talking about. And I were going to make payments into my side fund and earn 6% on it. At what point would I have enough money in there to actually pay off the mortgage, okay. the 30-year note? Well... It's actually less than 15 years. It's actually just over 14 years. Okay. So let me get this straight. If my goal was to get my home paid off sooner rather than later, yes, you're saying that a 30-year mortgage, I would have it paid off sooner than having a 15-year mortgage. Precisely. Isn't that crazy? That does sound a little crazy, but I get it. I like that idea. <laughs> it's, the it's the power of the spread that we were right. talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I always make a joke and I say, did you take a 15 or a 30 year note? And they say, well, I took the 15. I say, I thought you wanted to pay off your mortgage faster. <laughs> they, must, I, they must look at you a little funny. They look at me and say, what? I, wait a minute. I took the shorter one. I say, yeah, about? but <laughs> you, <laughs> forgot about, you forgot about the spread. You could have paid it off faster by keeping the spread invested and then written the check at year 14. Right. You'd be done. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so one last thing I want to mention about the mortgage. One last issue. And that okay. is, if you think about it, if you're able to deduct mortgage interest, not everyone can, but if you're able to deduct it, that's a good thing, right? Of course. Okay. So when we're considering the difference between the 15 and the 30-year note, which one of those two allows you to deduct more interest? Is it the 15 or the 30? Ah, no, that's a good question. Because I, most people's perception would be, oh, well, 15-year mortgage, um, I'm going to pay less interest. That's the less cost, right? Because I'm only paying it for 15 years, so there's less interest over time. Yeah. In, including, much... including deductions, right? So, well, what I'm saying is, on which note do you get to deduct more? Which which one has more tax savings? Well, if you're looking purely from the tax savings, obviously um, the one that you're going to be paying on longer, you have more time for tax savings. So it would follow then that 30 years would have uh, obviously more tax savings. More interest to deduct. Right. Okay. So in the example of our $500,000 mortgage over 30 year period, if you go, if you had a 15 year note, you would have saved only deducted about 49,000. But in a 30 year note, you would have been able to deduct 131,000. It's a lot more. That's <laughs> more than double. It's a lot more. Yeah. So that was a, that was a much more, much larger tax savings yeah. that you got out of the 30 year position. Interesting. Quite interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Right. So, I think that one of the next things 
that might be on a lot of people's minds is, uh, you know, we had we had touched on having the house paid off in finance, and we just were talking about how you know paid off doesn't necessarily mean that you paid the whole thing down that you have enough money to pay for the home. So that's a concept I think that a lot of people also think about. You know, I don't want to owe someone. I want to have my house secure. If I owe on it, I might not be able to make a payment and I could lose my home. Yeah, well said. But the reality is, as long as you have saved in a side fund in a relatively safe way, and again, you have to talk to your advisor about how to do that. At the end of the day, if you can find a way to keep that spread in your favor, you can come out way ahead, as we just saw in our example. Right, right. And isn't it true, though, that even if your home is paid off, it's not secure? You could still lose it. You could still get into significant financial trouble. Well, (laughs) you know, let's think about this. If you had money in your side fund and and a financial emergency came up, could you access that money to help get you over the emergency? Yeah, sure. If you put it in a place that's accessible, absolutely. Right. But if you had put all that money into the equity of a property, could you get it when a financial emergency came up? Well, that would depend on the financial emergency, right? Because, um, I mean, if you're... No, it depends on the bank's willingness to lend to you. Do they ever lend to you when you're in a... If you've lost your job, ah, there you are, go. They gonna lend, are they going to lend to you? Good point. Right. Of course not. If you don't have, if you don't have an income, they're going to say, Hey, you know, love to lend to you because you've been a good customer, but, uh, you know, you don't have an income. You can't pay them loan. We're not going to give you one, which means that you can't access any of that equity. And that's why so many people lost their houses, their homes during the recession, because suddenly their cash flow stopped and they didn't have a side fund that they could access to tide them over until they got the new job. Right. Right. Makes sense. And they couldn't access the equity in their houses because of the situation. So meanwhile, and the only way that that's accessible there, sorry, not to cut you, but you'd have to sell the home. And how hard is that? Especially if it's a situation like in 2008, 2009, like you're talking about in the great recession was impossible, impossible, right? So therefore people who came out ahead in that situation were the people who had control of their assets by maintaining a side fund rather than putting all their equity into the property. Right, right. Control so that they're in a position where if unpredictability happens, which it does in life, they're okay. Exactly. So for for us, for me and my clients, security means having control, control of your assets yeah. and the ability to access those whenever it's necessary. Yeah, I like that idea as All well. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to the quiz now and summarize. Okay. Okay. This is our... Um, our our summary for the show here. <laughs> exactly. So number one was a large down payment will save you more money over time than a small down payment. Well, now in the beginning, as we said, we thought that was true. But as we proved in our discussion, that's false. That's false because of opportunity costs. Right. Correct. Right. All right. Number two, a 15 year mortgage will save you more money over time than a 30 year mortgage. And again, we thought that was true in the beginning because you know, shorter period of time, we pay less. But again, we discovered that is false. It's it's not necessarily true, right? Not necessarily. Number three, making extra principal payments saves you money. Again, we we thought it was true because, hey, we get our home paid off faster, we pay less to the bank, but that's actually false. There's other factors, right? There's the factor of the tax savings, the deductibility. 
what you could earn on the opportunity cost on your side fund. There is a lot of reasons why making the extra principal payments may not save you money. It may cost you more money. Right. All right. Number four, the interest rate is the main factor in determining the cost of the mortgage. And again, in the beginning, we thought that was true because that's the primary consideration everybody makes. What's the interest rate you're going to pay? But as we discovered, it's really only a factor. It's only a factor. And in, and truly, you know, even though the 30-year note may have a higher interest rate over time, that does not mean that that's going to be the most expensive situation when you look at all the other factors around it, right? So false. Error. And finally, number five, you are more secure having your house paid off than financed 100%. Again, we thought in the beginning, you know, I feel more secure having my house paid off, so it's true. But as we uh, we were discussing, you know, house paid off means we have no control over our money. So again, uh, false. False. As long as that side fund that you create to hold your, let's say, the extra payments, right, right, is in a safe place that you can access, right, at any point. Makes sense. That's that's security. Security is control. Okay. Great. So thank you again, Brian, for going over all this. I'm sure that we found the quiz to be um, <laughs> quite fun and a little throwback to the school days, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> so um, thank you for joining us, Wealth Tactic Rebels. You, again, we're, we're going to put the show notes page. We're going to put the screenshots from today to go over the numbers and things so you can see all those if you want to follow that along at wealthtacticrebels.com. And also, while you're there, you can download our free guide to the three key areas that you could be losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. Thanks again, Brian. I really appreciate you joining us today. My my pleasure. And again, uh, you know, part two, we're gonna we're gonna also have um, an expert. So don't forget to uh, join us for part two for our expert guests on the mortgages. And as always, have a fantastic day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes, and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. The information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.